Hello, world. We are back. We are in it together again with the Dunlaps. I am your co-host, Deontay. I'm Shakima. And we are the Dunlaps. Dunlaps. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you again for attending. Thank you for listening wherever you are. You could have been anywhere else, but you're here with us. Thank you for coming. All right, my love. How we want to start today's episode? What do we want to talk about today? So I thought we start off um, today's episode and maybe all the future episodes by talking about something that happened in history. So mm. one of my favorite things to do with my students is take a look at the Equal Justice Initiatives um, Today in History calendar. And so, you know, I've been a fan of Dr. Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative for a long time. Most of you probably remember him from um, the movie Just Mercy with Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. And so Just Mercy was a book um, written by uh, Dr. Stevenson about his time in Alabama, I believe, um, um, helping a wrongfully convicted Black man uh, be exonerated. And so the Equal Justice Initiative was kind of like formed in that process. And so to date, they have helped, you know, hundreds of, of people who were wrongly convicted um, have their death row sentences vacated. And um, he's also behind the Civil Rights Museum. Well, not the, not the Civil Rights Museum, but the Lynching Museum that's in Montgomery. And I keep wanting you to take me to it. So like, can we... Can we, you know, you know, we, we're going to make it happen. You know, okay. we're going to make it happen. Because yeah, I know like sometimes when we're trying to get back to Atlanta, we, the timing, right? It's either yeah. in the morning when we go through Montgomery or it's super late at night when we go through Montgomery. But I do, I do want to see it. Um, and so today in history, uh, November 29th, 1864, U.S. forces killed hundreds of indigenous people in Sand Creek Massacre. So. Wow. Yeah, so on November 29th, 1864, American troops murdered more than 200 Cheyenne and Arapaho people who were living peacefully along Sand Creek in eastern Colorado. Days before the massacre, white officials had assured chiefs of the village that their community would not be harmed. At dawn on November 29th, hundreds of U.S. soldiers led by Colonel John Shippington surrounded the village. Residents responded by waving white flags and pleading for mercy. One of the raised the American flag in an attempt to demonstrate that he too was American. Ignoring these symbols of surrender and peace, the white troops opened fire with carbines and cannons, slaughtering more than 150 people. Most of the victims of the massacre were women, children, and the elderly and infirm. After the massacre, the troops burned the village, mutilated the bodies of the deceased, and removed body parts to keep as trophies. Sound familiar? Some scalps of the dead became props and plays that the troops later performed to celebrate, as one soldier boasted, almost an annihilation of the entire tribe. Violence against indigenous people in the U.S. had been overlooked and ignored for decades. Many white settlers in America cultivated a view that native people were less human and worthy of dignity and respect than white people. This was evident in the historic violence and slaughter on display at Sand Creek. Officers tried to justify the massacre by asserting a false narrative that described indigenous people as less than human and dangerous and claimed that the soldiers who committed the massacre had acted in self-defense. This fabricated account was disputed by other American soldiers who witnessed the massacre and felt compelled to tell the truth. Hundreds of women and children were coming towards us and getting on their knees begging for mercy, described U.S. Captain Silas Soule in an 1865 letter to Congress, only to be shot and have their brains beat out by men professing to be civilized. So that is our 
Equal Justice Initiative Today in History, the Sand Creek Massacre. Oh, man, reality is sometimes stranger than fiction and oftentimes even more brutal. That is that I I was today years old when I learned that Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's. I mean, I can't even call that ice cold. That's just soulless is, you know, but when you. I don't know, it's it's a it's a challenging thing. It's, It's like you when you have an organization move like that you know when you have a group of people galvanized to do certain things is there can't be do you know especially you know atrocities there's no humanity in that you know that is um that is cold calculated um and it's sad it's a it's a it's, it's a true tragedy in history um and wow yeah and i think part of the even bigger tragedy is that we don't that most people don't know about it right so like this calendar and i encourage you all to go and take a look at this calendar the website for the equal justice initiative is eji.org and so to get to the calendar you just put calendar.eji.org take a look at the whole equal justice initiative um, site their movement uh, what they're about can get involved donate if you can but the tragedy for me as an educator is that most of us have never heard of it. Like we've heard of like, you know, Wounded Knee and Custer and stuff like that. And we knew, you know, obviously that more Sand Creeks had to be, you know, they had to have happened in order for them to wipe out an entire nation or several nations of people. But um, for the chief to hold up the flag, right? Like to just try to say like, I'm, a, I'm also American. And their own symbol didn't even mean anything to them, right? So, like, this, right. this thing, you know, like, they say that we're not patriotic if we don't stand for the national anthem or if we don't say the Pledge of Allegiance or if we don't salute the flag, but they don't salute the flag, you know? It's like the chief tried to give them back what they honor, you know? And it wasn't even, it's, I don't, I don't know if... Um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you combat that? You know, right. like, like what is, what is required of you in order to overcome that? And, and and you just start to think like nothing, like there's nothing that you could actually do to stop that. Like, right. what could you possibly bring to the table? What could you possibly say? Like, if you, if you spin this um, false narrative, less than human. And that the reason why, you know, these things are, that you're doing these things to them is because they are subhuman, but you don't treat your animals that way. You don't, you don't treat your pets that way. Right. So like that, even still, like, that's not, it's not the math ain't math, you know, it's not. And so, um, yeah, so we'll be doing one of these every Tuesday. And again, I encourage everybody to take a look at, you know, what Dr. Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative team are doing. Um, but this stuff is out there. Like in 2022, there's no excuse for anybody to not know, you know, at least be trying to find out, you know, what what happened in history. Um, and not on, you know, Al Gore's internet. We got all this information right at our fingertips. And so is no longer okay it's not acceptable and today i actually have on my shirt my existence is political because it is and maybe i'll just keep it right there in the screen the whole time let's just you know the interesting thing about you know war 
you know, which a lot of times gets glorified in pop culture um, and a lot of our literature, a lot of our music, movies, you know, we glorify things like war and battle and warriors, but we don't think about what actually happens out there on that battlefield. There's, there's no holes barred, no rules. I um, mean, it's anything goes and, and we, you know, sometimes we, it, it gets romanticized as we create these heroes who, you know, who we tend to raise up. And I'm not saying that they, that th those who were tasked with being the soldiers on the battlefield wasn't given one story, just like the truth is coming out today. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not to point fingers at those who serve, but it's like when you think about the way the story gets spun, when you think about how people get exalted in these situations, you know, and then you hear when you start to hear the fine details of the brutality, mm -hmm. of the dehumanization of others on the battlefield. Um, it is um, it's heart wrenching, you know, um, because it's not all that glorious. It's not an honorable thing. Um, and to um, to to hide these behind symbolisms of honor and duty you know, to, to take another life, you know, much less, you know, that's not even a warrior, not another enemy combatant, but right. someone surrendering, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, to, 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 to do brutal acts to someone who's surrendering, who has given up their dignity, um, for the sanctity of life is, you know, is, is, it really puts a really different spin on it. Um, and I respect it because I have family who serve. We have family that serve. So there's no knock to those who serve this country and, and our greater principles and aims. But when you hear about things like this, it's like, wow. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it really opens your eyes and, 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 and in the sense that war should be the very, very last option. Right. right. Any given situation, because violence, begets violence mm -hmm. and it creates a need to shed more and, and, and it just, and the, and the bar gets raised and it just gets more and more brutal as, as people, as, as other humans get mutilated by other humans, there's always that factor of retaliation mm -hmm. and, and, and it, and it gets worse and worse and you. And, and I've, and one thing I have read in books is that you don't know the darkness of the human heart until you see it on the battlefield. Yeah. And that is and that's one of the things um, I respect about you so like much this, is that, you know, is, like, and, and again, you know, that's one of the things that I respect about you so much is because you, you understand, you know, your power. And so you, you wield it carefully, you know, like you're very peaceful because you know how powerful you are. And so I think, you know, um, when I hear you talk about the role of those who, you know, protect and serve us, um, we there should be some kind of like rules of engagement about who you turn that fire on you know like private citizens and people who are surrendering you know women and children and elderly and infirm should not get the military against you know what i mean so like like if you're going to war and there's some combat taking place or whatever but um you know i i would just hope that there wouldn't be a day where the military would turn on me you know as an individual citizen and so I think you're right that, um, you know, part of being so powerful is to to understand and to place parameters and boundaries around how you use it. You know, there there has to be some ethics surrounding it. I agree. You know, it's one thing, you know, like you said, in the willpower, it's one thing to have, but it's, some, it's something completely different in how you use it. 
And I think that is the mark that shows tr- that's a person's true character or a group of people or organization's true character is not that you have power, but how you wield that power. You know, um, virtue is spiritually useless, you know, and, and it has no overall good for anyone other than those who benefit from that power. And, you know, you find, like I said, you find out the true character of those by how they use their power, particularly towards those who have much less power than them. And that's one thing I've learned um, as a martial artist is when when you have years of experience and you get in there with someone who doesn't, you know, is, you know, you can you find out the character of a, of a martial artist by how they treat that new person, wow. how they how they care for that person. Do they go all out? and just take complete advantage of that person who has no background or skill or do they take the time to cultivate this new person who's trying to become a martial artist themselves do they do you do you do they do you care for that person when you when you're in there teaching them and sparring with them um and you know that's one of the things i learned early you know because i've been in there with people who when i was new who took complete advantage of the fact that i was new and they beat the brakes off of me Mm. Um, and, and I told myself that that's something that I wouldn't do because it, it, it's demoralizing. It'll make you quit, you know, but at the same time, when you look at it, it determines whether or not you're a fighter or not. So yeah. it depends, it depends. It's, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there are layers to it. If you're a, if you're aiming to be a fighter, you should be put under that pressure. But if you're a novice and you just enjoy it, you just want to learn and learn how to defend yourself. You know, I don't think that those are the people you go all out on. I think everybody should be tested, but in a controlled environment. Um, but again, you know, it, you learn a lot about your power when you get when you're put face to face with somebody who either has less than you or more than you. And I've had, um, you know, some fighters who, you know, male and female who were leaps and bounds beyond me in skill set. Um, some took it easy on me and some did but I learned the character of those in each one of those individuals, which is based on those interaction. Cause you learn, mm. learn a lot from a person that punches you in the face. You do. Um, and that's one thing I learned is in the truth in, in, the, in that chaos there is truth. And you find out a, your character and that person's character too. So the truth is in the heart of battle, as they say in street fighter. I think that's so huge. And I, and I was just thinking about even with like teaching, you know, like that, that can be said about teaching as well. Like how people treat the new people when they come in, you know, like, do you, do you know, help them? Do you support them? Or do you just, you know, take the opportunity to be like the most brilliant person in the room and, and, and drag that person through the mud? You know, and that, I think that's true in every profession, like how you treat the new people is so important. It's just so important. So, um, so yeah. So, let me ask you a question because I wanted to kind of lighten it up a little bit. Okay. And and you didn't know this was coming. Hey, spontaneity is the spice of life, right? <laughs> What's the blackest thing you did this week? <laughs> um. And I, I, the reason why I asked that question is I saw. Um, Somebody uh, interviewed Lisa uh, Issa Rae again, not Lisa Rae, Lord have mercy, Issa Rae on the red carpet. And they said, the last time, you know, we interviewed you, you said you were rooting for everybody black. Are you still rooting for everybody black? And she was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm still rooting for everybody black. And I thought, 
you know, like that was so black. He's afraid. So, so, um, Mr. Dunlap, what's the blackest thing you've done this week? Everything I do is black. <laughs> even though I'm, even though I'm one of the, I'm one of the bright skins. Everything <laughs> I do is black. There's no, there's no degrees to it. You know, it sometimes, sometimes it happens by accident. Sometimes it happens on purpose. Um, I have my questionable moments, but you know, everything I do is black. So that 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 that's where I'll keep that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So um I think asking you that question. You put me on the spot, but yeah, you know. I think that might have been the blackest thing I've done. <laughs> that might have been the blackest thing I've done all week. Just to um yeah. But I'm good on my toes though. I'm good on I'm you good are. on my toes. So it's all good. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, but today's episode is remember the time, right? So we're talking about like, what is the value of time? Uh, what it, do you, you know, do you believe that it is an illusion? Do you believe that it's something to be capitalized on? Like, what does time mean to you? And I got this because I watched a Michael Jackson video. Earlier. Oh, man. Time, time, time. Time is the grand champion of all things. Mm. nothing outlasts time time is more valuable than any any piece of gold any dollar you could ever make time is the one thing that you can never get back wow. no matter no matter what you do you can't make it up and it's the one thing you can give to someone mm. that the only true value they can return to you is time wow. there's nothing that equates in value to time that's good it is the grand, I call it the grand champion of all things. Grand champion of all things, because it's in all things, it's only a matter of time. Mm. In all things, all things. Um, I'll, I'll spin it back to martial arts. You know, you know, I trained 19 years before I had my first injury. Yeah. And this is, you know, sparring hard. This is from fighting, training every day. But it was only a matter of time. Eventually, you know, your eventually your craft is going to bite you back. I felt that. Eventually, your craft will bite you back. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so time is time is the one thing I, I, I value. And it's especially when another gives me their time. I always try to make good on the time that a I'm given that that God gives me, and anytime someone takes their time to commit to something to help me to enrich me or just to spend with me, I just, I value that so much because I've had you know at, at, at this at this point in my advancement as a human, I've had so many situations where people have wasted mm. that time, mm. and one of the things we talk about in business. Is the opportunity cost? Yes. What did you? What did it cost you that you could have been doing mm -hmm. where you wasted this time? This wasted time was at the expense of what? What else productive could you have been done doing? Who else could you have been spending that time? With? That's good, man. Um. So time is something that I value immensely because you can, like I said, you can never get it back. The only way you get it back is if you start life over. And your only option is to start all the way at the beginning. Yeah. That's, and that's just the truth that none of us can overlook. We're all, it's the one thing that beyond money, beauty, 
Entertainment is the one thing that no one on the face, no thing, let's, let's extrapolate that, no thing on this plane of existence can supersede, can outlast, can overwrite, can rewind, can undo. It is the grand champion. It's, time is the champion of champions. Mm. I love that. And and I think, you know, when, when you were talking about, um, you know, our inability to get it back, I was thinking about, you know, the biblical principle of God redeeming the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can redeem it and he can restore the years. And it's like, you'd never get that time back, right? Like you can have moments where you can be accelerated, you know, like where, where you can become like catapulted forward based on, you know, pre- what you learned in previous seasons. So, and I guess in that way, nothing is ever wasted. No time was truly ever wasted. But I do think there is um, in life, like a wasted time tax, you know, like I, I think about moments where I didn't properly assess you know, what, what Kairos moment I was in. And I mean, like Kairos in the sense of like, you know, how we have Kronos, like that's a time on the clock. And then Kairos is like a season, like a moment, like this, it's like a pivotal moment, right? A monumental moment in your life. And I don't think I adequately assessed all of the, the Kairos moments that I had. And so where I am today is, you know, a sum total of all the things that I did and the moments that I did capitalize on, but it's also a sum total of all the moments that I didn't, you know? Yeah, and you know, that's why, you know, one of my favorite acronyms is new, N-E-W, nothing ever wasted. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe, I do believe in opportunity costs, but I, and you, so, and I'll take a step back. I'll say, I won't say that time is ever wasted because I agree with what you said. It's what you do with, it's what you do with that time. Mm-hmm. So say, for instance, if you do, you know, you do spend time with a particular person who, whether it was a v- business venture, conversation, whatever the case may be, there is something to get from that, even if it is to dial into the opportunity cost, even if it is to say, you know what, I could have been doing this instead of this, or I should have been doing this instead of this. And so it is the wisdom and experience you gain in those moments. So nothing is ever wasted, you know, because if that's if you have the right optics on it, if you have the right perspective. Um, you can either dig into that moment and find jewels that, you know, you may be able to use later on in your, in your experience, or again, you can address that opportunity cost. Like, you know what, in the future, if given the opportunity, I'm going to do this instead of this. I think this is a better use of my energy, my time. Um, you know, energy can be replenished. You can go, you could take a nap, go to sleep have a nice meal, whatever the case may be. But again, Although that energy you may be recharged, rejuvenated, and renewed, that time is behind you. Mm. You know, and and you know, and 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 one of my one of my one of my in my imagination, you know, I, I dream of a day where we find out what time really is. Right, because I do have my. You know, um, it's not right about what we've been told about it. <laughs> you know, it's you know sometimes you know because some days it moves faster than others. Mm-hmm. Some days it just crawls by. So it's really, really interesting. Um, And they they say it's because you're having fun or because you're bored, you know, Um, I think. But I think there's more to that science than we understand, Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes it's palpable. For example, this Sunday was, you know, we talked about it, um, you know, uh, getting ready for the week, you know, how slow sunday went and even though you were you know you were working on things for school even me relaxing the day was long 
Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like it was a really drawn out day. Um, and some days we wake when we generally wake up at the same time, whether it's on the weekend or during the week. And some days it just blows right. by. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, wow, did we get anything done today? I felt like we've been busy, but I'm not sure, you know, what we accomplished. Um, because the day went by so fast, you know. Um, so it's interesting. Time is a very, very interesting concept. And I, I wonder if where we are in either physiologically, emotionally, if that what if that has an impact on time. Um, so it's interesting, you know, um, because I look at us as biological computers and we, you know, we learn things we're never taught. We adapt to things without, you know, it's like we are we have a programming to a degree. Um, at least on like on a biochemical level. So it, I wonder if that if that has something to do with it. Um, if it's a you know brain chemical thing, is if it's a just a or, or physical chemical or just an entire body um thing. It's 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 interesting. Well, it's a spiritual thing, you know. Yeah. Maybe the spirit moves into a different field where it may not be affected by the 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 parameters of time, you know. And who knows that's where and what if time is just a physical state. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, yeah. um, and maybe it's just and maybe time we're only com- we're confined to time in this form. I believe you know, that. You know, I believe that. I, be- I really do. I mean, and I just think that, um, you know, the more you start to read. Some of the texts are a little esoteric or whatever, but the more you start to read, you know, beyond the world was created in seven days. Right. Like what what did those seven days mean? You know, like once you start to like think about like how much we manipulate time by like, you know, this is how many, this is how much it's going to be in a day. Right. And then we have daylight savings time. So we're going to take an hour back and we're going to put another hour in there. And then you have some states that don't even participate in that, you know, so like what are their people doing when everybody else is doing this, you know? And so when you think about it in those terms, it has to be something that's, you know, that people can manipulate because they've already figured out how to do it, you know? And so I do believe that this physical form that we're in has something to do with the way we experience time, but I don't think it binds time. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that our our spiritual selves always supersede it. And so there may be some things that we need to be looking at, but what do you think? Let's do a, let's do like some book studies or something. Cause I, I, I'd love to learn more about that, but in, I I know you have some stuff you want to talk to us about tonight. And so I love to learn from you. Oh, yeah. And, and and it's good that, you know, we, we talked about time because it's all relative. You know, time is relative to everything. And, you know, I wanted to continue on to some of the concepts we talked about when, uh, when we had Pastor Cox on uh, last week. And one of the main topics for this, that we were discussing was vision. Mm. And, you know, when you talk about vision in relation to time, you know, um, we all have a vision, you know, you know, and one of the reasons why I think vision is important because it gives you an end, an end state, an end goal, an end point, uh, uh, a pinnacle, so to speak. Um, where would you like to be or what would you like to see happen? And we all sometimes get wrapped up with the timetables of the win. I want it. Most of us, we live in a world where we where instant gratification is the thing, you know, um, where we, we we not only do we want it, but we want it like yesterday. And you know, the, the thing about the vision is the vision is what keeps you going and experience will, you know, through experience, you learn that, you know, vision isn't something that sometimes is clear in the beginning. Sometimes you have an idea of what you 
want, but the picture isn't quite the line, the details in the picture hasn't, haven't quite, haven't quite um, defined themselves. That's the word I'm looking for. They quite, haven't quite defined themselves. Um, and then you, but then you have some individuals who they're very direct. They, they have their vision so clear, but again, you have that factor of time. Some of us want, again, some of us want the fast track to it. Some of us want, you know, some of us are okay. And so I think that, you know, vision, when you, when you pair it with time requires patience. So three things I want to talk about is the vision. Okay. Um, patience when you have a vision, because what, where, where patient, where patience comes in is in the middle part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is where things may get muddy where the vision becomes clear and that ambiguity sets in that you're not quite sure which way is up yeah. you're not quite sure if you're even on the right path to this vision um and it'll and 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 through that ambiguity it'll make you question your vision is this the the right thing for me to be doing you know or is this just a detour um, and some of us, you know, some of us, when we, when we hit the deep, some of us get stuck on detours mm-hmm. and make permanent detours. Some of us, um, you know, some of us stop because we don't want to take the detour. We're like, you know, either the detour we, we, we feel is either too hard or is either above or beneath us, you know? So whatever that, whatever the particular individual's perspective is, you know, we all, you know, when you have a vision and a vision and a goal that you're headed towards, we all hit that, that, that path of ambiguity where life and time sits in and, and, and other other responsibilities kick in and, and, and sometimes poor decision making kicks in that may, you know, either cause us to either modify the vision or abandon the vision or, or put the vision on hold, you know, for, uh, for a defined amount of time or for, yeah, for a defined amount of time. And so, you know, that's what, but again, that's where the patience comes in is the patience to allow things to work themselves out, the patience to work through your detour and to understand that your vision is your goal. That's what you want to see. And if you're committed through your patience, your, so patience and your persistence to make, to make that goal happen, to make that vision come to pass. And that, that what I, in my mind, in my experience, is what gets you to that vision, is when you understand that where you are may not have been your goal that might not be your ultimate goal but it's a detour to where you're ultimately trying to go um i'll give you you know from my you know just you know just an example of my career you know um you know i started you know in my current capacity i started off at the juice bar i was making smoothies i mean i'm in school i'm an it guy trying to you know working to get my undergrad and 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 if you would ask me my vision was to be working at a tech job was to either be working for a local phone company running cable or um or you know being a you know some type of network you know um some type of assistant um network associate learning how to engineer and build networks that's what i saw in my mind and um and and of course i knew i wanted to be successful but that's not a vision that's a you know that's that's an idea um because success is an idea in and of itself what does that mean and until you again form a vision around what success is, it's a it's a pretty blurry picture. And 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 you know, kind of digressing back to my story, you know, I like I said, I worked in the juice bar, and you know, I was looking for my opportunity. And lo and behold, you know, just through persistence, just through being patient, 
waiting for my opportunity. That's one of my my um that's my I'm I'm patient to a fault. I could be extremely patient, sometimes too patient. And um, but that's this was one of those situations where patience paid off for me. And um, working at a juice bar, my detour, I ended up, you know, meeting somebody who was doing something that I was interested in. And I asked this, this, this person, Hey, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You, you know, this looks, you know, this looks fascinating what you're doing. Um, and this particular person said, Oh yeah, this is, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm the, I'm the, the in-house IT person. Um, and I handle all of the systems, all the upgrades, all, you know, PC deployments, you name it. If it, if it's, if it's connected to something, um, I got it. If it's an IT related thing, that's mine. I was like, I want to do whatever you're doing. <laughs> and this person said, you know where you're in luck because I'm going for a different job. So if you want this one, send me your resume. She had my, and that person had my resume later that day. And, you know, and I did that for, you know, I did that for several years. And, um, then I, you know, progressed to an even higher level, um, technical role where I was responsible for opening locations. And, you know, and, you know, of course, you know, in any, in any organization, you know, brick and mortar, you know, you, you, you open up locations until you basically spend the budget and like, mm-hmm. all right, we, we, we've opened out, we're going to open it for this year. Um, and they basically told me, Hey, we have to, you might have to, you know, apply for something else. And so I spent some time, you know, I took another detour, um, and, and I did some data work. I spent some time as a category analyst and learned a little bit more, um, about the operations of the company I was working for. I learned a little bit more intricate details about, um, different food products, different, you know, things, things, uh, things like, um, um, I worked in, I started in like meat and seafood, doing some data analytics and learning about, you know, cutting tests and yields and, you know, what it, you know, what, what do you have a, how a, um, a piece of meat starts and how it generally ends up and how to price that, wow. you know, and, and what that means, you know, when you, you know, cut a certain amount of um, the unsellable product off, how that changes, not only the form of it, but it changed is how we sell it. Um, and so I learned a lot about that, but again, it was a detour. It wasn't IT. It wasn't what I wanted to do. The only, the only, um, connection to IT was, it was, I was working on a computer that was in, 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 um, Microsoft Excel. That was the, 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 really the IT part. But again, I did that for a while and that would, and that was like one of my toughest, that's, that tested my patience to a unbelievable degree because I was there for about eight years. And, um, and I got to a point where I questioned whether I was going to continue to, to move towards this, you know, IT, you know, centric world where I was going, where I planned on building my career. And, um, and it, 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 and there were times where it was, times were tougher, you know, when you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to become, and uh, you're trying to become in a space where you didn't anticipate being. So I'm in this detour trying to make the most of it. And again, you got you, you have all types of life going on and, you know, bad decision making and, you know, which also, you know, just kind of pushes you further into your detour because you get comfortable. Yep. And um, and, I, you know, I, you know, I, I never really allowed myself to get comfortable because I knew that this wasn't where I, I where I saw my career going. And and, you know, one of the good and bad about being good at what you do is, you know, people want to keep you. Mm. <laughs> And so, um, and, and, and it's no fault of theirs. It's just, you know, um, it was, you know, it, they, they had the, as leaders of that particular team at the time, they had to do what was important for what they were responsible for. And I understand it as a leader now. Um, 
And so um, it wasn't that they were holding me in place. It was just they were looking to keep the they were looking to keep the team performing and and placing me somewhere else wasn't even close to being one of their priorities. Um, and so, again, patience, persistence, patience, persistence. And I started to see, you know, opportunity, you know, as the IT um, support structure started to change, I started to see opportunity like, hey, there's going to be an opportunity here for this particular gig. So I started talking to people and and I told one particular person that, you know, we worked together for several years that, hey, when this opportunity comes, I, I, I want that gig. I, I, I want to apply for that. And, it, and and I want to say uh, a few years later, the opportunity came and I applied for it and, you know, and and I was able to get back into the world of IT. Um, and, and, and I'll say that, you know, those years in that, that day of that detour, they, they definitely had their benefit. There was some really dark moments where I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I think, am I going to abandon ship and, you know, try to build another vision or am I going to stick to my, my guns? And I was persistent and I worked through that ambiguity. And that's the thing, you know, that's the tough thing about it is it seems sometimes it seems never ending. And again, time has no you know, it doesn't tell you, are right, you going to be here for this long? No time says, all right, you're going to be here for a minute. And right. Uh, right. what that minute is, is up to you. That, that minute is relative, you know, to your experience. And, you know, as you know, as they always say, God doesn't move you on until you get the lessons you need to learn where you are. And um, and I guess that was the the situation. Um, but, you know, but working through the ambiguity, you know, is is the is is the tough part when you get there and things don't quite look like what you thought it would. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the hard part. Like, this is not what I signed up for. So I'm gonna either I'm either gonna just you know soak in this, or I'm gonna quit, or I'm gonna keep going. And um, we've all I been soaked, there. Yeah, I soaked for a little bit, but you know I kept going. You know that was one of the benefits of becoming a fighter is I really learned how to dig deep, and when it gets tough, to dig deep and keep punching, just keep punching. And I and I kept working, and I kept trying, kept you know seeking opportunity, and when that opportunity came. I jumped on it. I jumped on it with passion and vigor. And, you know, I did where I could jump back into the tech world. And then I decided I, then I then I started seeing leadership. Um, I didn't want to become a leader. Um, but again, that's that modification of your vision. It's like how, you know, it's like when you get into a space where you complain and why do we do this and why do we do that? And and um, and and I'm not a I'm not a complainer. Uh, if 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 I'm in something that I don't like, I'm either going to get out of it or I'm going to do what I can to fix it. And so instead of being a complainer, um, I decided I want to be a person that that could affect real positive change. And so that's why I started um, reaching for leadership. And again, you know, talking to the right people, seeing the opportunities coming. I saw an opportunity. I was like, there's going to they're going to need a team leader for this. And I've got myself prepared. And, you know, sometimes when opportunity meets preparation, you have what they call luck. And um, and I was in the right place at the right time in a group and around the right people. And um, I interviewed to for my one of my biggest promotions, and that's to become a leader. And again, you know, and and so now um, I'm, you know, in the tech world as a leader in the tech world with, you know, two advanced degrees and. Um, and I can look back and, and, and I can look at my path and say, wow, the twist and the turns, the zig and the zag, the 
the the rest stops you know the 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 prolonged rest stops mm-hmm. on the path you know and when it feels hopeless you know and never give up hope you know that's the, i know sometimes that can seem a bit you know cliche at times but it's real you know it can seem you know it can seem pointless but you know stand with it stand patient and continuing towards your vision for yourself it 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 pays dividends in the long run but god isn't going to give you anything that you're not mature enough for you're not ready for and if it's really for you it, it, it'll be for you so um but you know i just wanted to spend some time talking about you know things of that nature because i know there you know that you know in a world of instant gratification you know when we see the when we're when most of us see the finished product online yeah. We don't see the development. We don't see the zig and the zag that a person had to take or the failures they had to um, that they had to endure or the, 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 the times where the door was closed in their face and the opportunities that they weren't given, you know, um, and, and so especially our young people who are super duper impressionable, um, you know, who live and who've grown up in a world of Amazon where you can have something delivered in, to your door the same day, whether it's food, lotion, shampoo, video games, whatever. Um, you know, and so they, they, they just see the finished product. And so, you know, being able, being able to explain and, you know, tell my story about, you know, being, you know, the zig and the zag and, and the detours and the vision and how it doesn't, the vision doesn't come to get, it never comes together the way you expect it to. I'll say, I won't say never, I won't use that word. I won't use talking absolutes, but relatively not often <laughs> does it go the way that you plan. You know, and like they say, God make God last when you make plans, you know. Um, but, you know, so what are you, what are your thoughts on, you know, t- tell me a little bit about your, you know, I, I saw you were, you know, you testified a little bit on a few things I said. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, vision, you know, ambiguity and patience and persistence? Well, you know, I never wanted to become a teacher. And mm-hmm. I always talk about how, how God forced my hand. You know, I never, I knew that I wanted to um, change the world. I knew that I wanted to work with young people, but I never wanted to be a teacher. And it's just that my life, um, my, my life circumstances shaped up in such a way that I was, I found myself being, you know, needing to get out of a bad marriage. And I had four children and I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. And I had an undergrad in English. I was not using it. I was I started my first nonprofit immediately out of undergrad and I was working. I created a teen pregnancy prevention organization and I was working with the Atlanta Housing Authority. So I was doing a free after school program for girls ages 12 to 18 um, in Grady Homes and um, that it doesn't exist anymore, but obviously downtown by Grady Hospital. And so, you know, I, I. Actually, no, I had my three boys when I started that. I didn't even have Messiah yet. So like, I I think it was when I got pregnant with her and I realized, okay, I got to do something different, right? I didn't expect for number four to be coming, but I knew that I needed to get out of that marriage. And that was, for me, I I really just didn't know what I was going to do. But I thought if I could go back to school and become a teacher, you know, there was an alternative certification program at Georgia State at the time, and it was a one-year program, and I thought, I could probably do that, you know, I could probably do that, and so that is how I became a teacher. I just needed to be off when my children were off. I needed to have, you know, I thought reasonable work hours. I never wanted to be a teacher, and that turned out to be one of the most amazing things I've ever done, and I've been doing it for 17 years, and um, 
one of the things that I've never been afraid to do is take a chance. You know, like that's that's just me. I'm like, let's try it. We go. We can build it while we're flying. We can, you know, like I, I don't have to see all the steps because I know that as I'm as I'm on the path, I'm becoming the path, you know, and um, I believe that all will be well. But I, I think that um, there are times when I've been ahead of God, you know, where I've been, you know, two or three years ahead of where I was supposed to be like, so that's the danger of being a visionary, like you get so far ahead. And then you think, I'm supposed to do that now, or I'm supposed to be the one to do it as opposed to I'm supposed to be helping those who were going to do it, you know. And so for me, those that that has been my biggest challenge, you know, just having the patience to pause and say, you know, every first of all, every good idea is not a God idea. That's the first thing. And that everything that I feel um inspired by or everything that um compels me to serve my community is not necessarily a part of my ultimate life vision. You know, maybe I'm just a small little, you know, minute detail in the, in that big picture of that story where i find myself now though um is you know being middle-aged and you know having adult children and being married to the love of my life and 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 finally feeling some sense of peace and happiness on a personal level you know um what next you know like i just I'm, my profession is in upheaval and i don't you know, there are so many teachers who are exiting the profession and I get it. You know, this thing that I have spent, you know, 17, almost 18 years of my life now uh, building. And I'm just like, what is this? Like, what it, what has this morphed into while I was doing the work, you know? Um, and so that's the thing. Like, now I have to find the courage to reinvent myself again. And it doesn't feel the same as it did when I was reinventing myself at 20 or 25, or even 30, you know? And so I know that there are people out there who are in the same predicament I'm in. You know, you you have done, you've done everything for everybody else. And now you're just ready to just be, you know? You want to have peace. You want to wake up every day, not feeling rushed or pressured. Um, you're tired of, you know, trying to make a miracle just to stay in a place or on a job or in a profession or whatever. Um, and so now the biggest thing for me is having the courage to start over if necessary, but also having the courage to, we talked about it earlier, allow myself to be who I really am, you know, allowing myself to grow right. beyond, you know, how I have seen myself. Um, because I know that there have been lots of opportunities over the 17 years that I've been teaching that I didn't capitalize on like I was supposed to, that those Kairos moments, that time, right? Like, but if I have a chance to do it again, you know, like God, if you send it back around again and this wisdom that I now have as a result of some of the mistakes that I made, some of the bad decisions that I made, like I'll make good on it, you know? And so maybe now I'm ready for those things, you know, maybe the first time those opportunities came in my life, there was like a, a preview, like a precursor of what I could have, right? Like I was just able to see what is available to me in my life. And now maybe I'm just now becoming the woman who has a character to, to handle all those things well and to handle all those opportunities well. 
And so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, we've been we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, what to do in those moments. And you part of what I heard from you is that you had the ability to, to say, I want that. And while I wait on it, I'm going to become the person who not necessarily deserves it, but the person who can handle it. Right. And I think that's a part of the, the waiting process that a lot of people just don't get. It's that character development piece. Right. So like while you're in the hallway waiting on the next door to open, what are the parts of you that need to be weeded out so that you can enter that next door? Well, you know, what a, you know, like that's that's the part that most people skip over. They just think, well, it's just, you know, I just need to wait till my moment. But like in the interim, what are you doing to become the kind of person who's going to be excellent on that level? Maybe you are excellent at this level, but that next level is going to require a different version of you. And so that is what you're doing while you're waiting. That's what you're doing while you're waiting. It's you're getting ready. So, you know, you're staying ready. So you don't have to get ready. I tell my students that all the time, but it's that character development piece, constantly sharpening yourself, constantly honing those skills, constantly, you know, becoming, uh, you know, if, if it's a leader, then you're working on, you know, leadership traits and qualities you're doing research on leadership you're you know surrounding yourself with 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 other leaders so that you can get the thinking part you know aligned with what leaders do and that's the part um that we don't like to talk about you're you are doing something while you're waiting you're not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs you're preparing yourself to walk through that next door and be excellent on that next level I, I, whole, I, I can't agree more. I don't even know what to even add to that. You know, but you did say something um, that I did want to kind of hone in on. And I think a lot of us miss it because we, and it's difficult when you're in it to be outside of yourself. And one of the things that we, that we hardly ever reflect on until is usually in retrospect is the trails that we create for others. It's the trails that we blaze is when we step into a new space and we realize like, what is this and why is this done this way? And you begin to bump up against that status quo. And what you, what you don't know, like I said, until, until you look back is that based on your actions, even though you might've thought it was just for you, you created, you opened the door for everybody else that comes behind you because no space will ever be the same. If you if you do it right, no space should ever be the same when you leave. That's good. And my my goal, you know, in any situation is to make things better. In any situation I involve myself in, I come with the with the sole intent to make it better. If I can't make it better, I don't want to be a part of it. Um, again, again, because it's that opportunity cost. Where can I be? Where can I help things be better? And what I always try to do is any space that I leave, any space that I vacate, that the space is better. When th that the space was made better since I was there and that I made something better for somebody else to take over or to come behind me. Because again, time is a cycle. You're not the, you're not the first and you're not the last. And so you got to re remember if it's you, what would you, if you, if it was you following somebody or coming in after somebody, what would you want to be left behind for you to pick up? And that was one of the greatest lessons I learned, even from my eight year detour, I look back and I'm like, wow, I, you know, although it was difficult, I, I, I helped make some things better here. I helped create some opportunities for other people. I helped, I helped, you know, I, I helped bring, 
you know, I helped raise the bar. I helped build the standard. I helped, you know, I helped improve. I didn't just sit here. I didn't just waste my space. And so, um, and when I look back on that time, you know, um, you know, my detours, my zigging and my zagging, I, you know, I, I always left somewhere. I always left a positive imprint. I always left, tried to leave something, you know, not just a void, but, a, you know, if, you know, if you want to call it a positive void, you know, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm in, I hope that most places that I've, you know, vacated from people hated that I left more than they celebrated that I left, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't want to be mourned, but I did want to leave a positive legacy behind um, in any space that I occupied. And so, I, you know, my goal is to always make it better and any, whether it's a little bit better or a lot of bit better, I always want to make it better. And that's, that's my aim and anything I involve myself in. I love that. So, I love that so much. And so one of the, th- the last things I want to say to our listening audience before we close for tonight is to begin to think about, you know, what did, what is the next newest version of you, right? Like, what will you do next? What is your vision for the next season? Whether it's purchasing a new home or a new vehicle or getting out of a bad relationship or just looking for a new church home or looking for a new school to enroll in. What is it that you want to accomplish in this next season, right? And so once you begin to think about what your vision is for your next, begin to cultivate the characteristics of the people who do well in that space, right? So if you want to be a homeowner, what does homeownership require of you? It's more than just, you know, you know, getting the homeowner's insurance and going to closing. It's more than that. What is, what is home ownership require of you? If you want to be, um, you know, an entrepreneur, what does entrepreneurship require of you? And do you know any other entrepreneurs? How can you surround yourself with people who are doing the work that you're doing? So begin to think about, you know, what's required of you on the next level and start to cultivate the practices that people who are good on that level be like them and do the things that they do. It's going to require some reading. It's going to require some podcasts. It's going to require watching some YouTube videos. But whatever it is, it's time to start preparing yourself to become that person. And when you are ready for it, the opportunity will show up. It's going to manifest when you are ready for it. Because the, the last thing you want to happen is for doors and opportunities to open that your character can't keep you in that place. That's the last thing you want to happen for great things to happen, but your character to cause you to lose them. Okay. So that is my teacher moment for tonight. Mr. Dunlap, you want to close us out? Yes. Thank you everybody for giving us this opportunity to, to speak, to, to speak about some of the things that, that matter to us and that's been on our mind and that allowing us to share this, this intimate conversation with you all. We hope that it enriches you. We hope that is, hope we got, we hope you got some chuckles and we hope you learn from it. We hope that you, you, you were, you were better from receiving this message. Um, we thank y'all for your time as usual. Um, you're in it with the Dunlaps. I'm Deontay. I'm Shakima. We're the Dunlaps. We're the Dunlaps. And we'll see you here. Same bat channel, same bat time next Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time here on Facebook Live. Yes, indeed. Catch our podcast on Spotify. We'll see y'all later. Thanks, everybody. Peace, y'all.